When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Every Town podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio, a 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again, and Elizabeth Shove from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and taken to his underground bunker in the woods. And we give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists, so go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, one of the stars of a TV show about a family that uses hunting as a platform to teach ethics and values opens up about threats made against his family. We've had death threats. We've had threats to not only kill us, but to do it in such a way that you would never even dream that someone could even think of that and sent to us through social media or email messages to the point where my wife has had times where she was afraid to go out of the house. And these are the people that supposedly love the animals. This podcast is brought to you by Canada's decontamination specialists, Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners. Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners is committed to helping people when tragedy strikes. Their objective is to restore safety to an environment in the most professional and discreet manner possible. To contact Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners, visit crimescenecleaners.ca. Call 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at info at crimescenecleaners.ca. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Well, we're halfway through July. Where is the summer going? I certainly hope you're enjoying yours. My boys are planning their next big camping trip. 
in our backyard. They'll have a friend over, pitch a tent, close enough to the house to ensure a solid Wi-Fi signal, of course. Wow, talk about a true pioneer spirit. Dave Holder likes to get outdoors with his family and hunt. And the Holder family, Dave, Karen, Easton, and Warren, are the stars of Raised Hunting on the Discovery Channel. And he's standing by to talk about the show and about how hunters are the true conservationists and how he's standing up against the anti-hunting, anti-gun, anti-Christian sentiment that's so prevalent in society these days. Dave Holder is founder and CEO of Raised Hunting TV, Raised at Full Draw, and Raised Outdoors. Raised Hunting is the parent company and TV series that currently airs on the Discovery Channel. David, being an avid bow hunter and outdoorsman from the early age of 10, loves spending every moment hunting or thinking about hunting. While serving the city of Great Falls, Montana as a firefighter captain, David started his public speaking career by conducting seminars across the nation, teaching elk, whitetail, and turkey calling, as well as hunting techniques. After accumulating hundreds of archery kills on video, David retired from firefighting in 2009 and turned his focus full-time to producing high-quality, heartfelt stories that inspire, motivate, and teach the viewer a hunting message, life message, or both. David Holder, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm very good, Richard. How are you today? I'm terrific. Tell us a little bit about Raised Hunting, what the show's about, and where we can find it. Ooh, uh, Raised Hunting is a television series on Discovery Channel, Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. That's Eastern Standard Time. Uh, check your local listings because it may vary across the country. Um, but uh, And Raised Hunting is, I would love to tell people that it's an outdoor television show, but it's, it's really more than that. It's a, it's a television show about raising a family in the outdoors. And we just use hunting because that's what Dad is good at or that's what all of us are heavily involved in as the platform in which we show life lessons, um, things that we've learned um, that we can use in everyday life, but we learned it maybe uh, through a hunting trip somewhere or maybe not getting to go on a hunting trip because we didn't earn it or things like that. So as much as I like to, I would like to make a simple description and say we have an outdoor television show, it's really much more than that. And hunting is, uh, let's say this, it's, it's kind of politically incorrect these days with, in certain quarters, not with me, but in certain quarters, uh, because it's all tied in with, well, uh, gun, gun use and, yep. and killing animals and uh, a lot of taboos there as far as the, the progressive left is concerned. Do you address th that in the, in the program? I mean, are you attempting to speak to them or are you just sort of preaching to the choir, as we say? No, 110%. And I think that was it. We, we ran Raised Hunting on outdoor television, uh, the outdoor channel, for four years. And we moved to Discovery on purpose for part of the reason that you just mentioned. And that was, we feel like we have a series that someone that's a non-hunter could watch. Um, our show is not based on seeing an animal get killed and, and seeing the, the guy or gal who went and hunted it. Okay, this is we're having steak for dinner tonight. We're hunting with our buddy you know, next to a feeder in Texas, and this is what we're doing. I'm not knocking anyone for doing whatever they do, but our show has really got a lot of morals and ethics and values that are um, transcended through hunting into my family and then out to everyone else. And so we feel like Raised Hunting has the opportunity to reach into a whole realm of people that, that I, I doubt will that me and you, neither one of us are ever going to change the anti-hunter's view. That's just not going to happen. But there's a whole lot of people in both Canada, 
uh, North America or United States and across the world that don't really understand hunting. They don't really care one way or another. And we feel like if we could be positive role models and advocates for hunting, we can make a difference. So we built every single episode not based around what we kill. Yes, hunting leads to something dying, hopefully and typically, but we do it in a conservation and an ethical ma- manner. Not We're not bloodthirsty killers, and it's sad that hunters have been labeled that from media, from social media, from political views and things like that. It, it really is, and so we feel like hunting needs a positive PR role model, and raised hunting, and my family is trying to do that. Is there a... An- are you feeling the the heat, let's say, from not just as from a television you know perspective, but just personally, uh, the heat from this let's call it an anti-hunting movement or anti-gun hunting lobby? Oh, we you know, and and maybe for us it's probably worse, Richard. We hear we feel I, when I say we feel it. Um, if we're not careful, we've had death threats. We've had threats to not only kill us, but to do it in such a way that you would never even dream that someone could even think of that and sent to us through social media or email messages um, to the point where my wife has had times where she was afraid to go out of the house. Um, and these are the people that supposedly love the animals. And we try to explain to people that we love the animals more than anyone. That's why we're willing to spend money to take out certain ones to make sure that they keep continuing and and people just don't understand that and and so i don't blame people that um out there that that don't get it because that's what i don't think that people are that angry sometimes i think they're just that uneducated and so do we feel it a hundred percent um i i totally agree with you now we're fortunate we live in uh the mid or in the, the midwest of the united states we're in iowa and so hunting is a bigger part of the culture here. But when you go into the inner cities of the United States, up into Canada and places like that, it's not always the norm. And a lot of times the people that are so uh, hateful about it, they're just un- they're uneducated. They don't understand. Someone has reached them before hunters did and said, um, you know, hey, it's not necessarily that way. Um, I'll go so far as to explain kind of the the Disney mentality. So many people watch a Disney movie from the time they're a little kid and they think that the wolf – and the chickens and the squirrels all hang out together, and they love each other. And I just saw something on the Internet yesterday where man gets hugged by a grizzly bear um, for saving its cubs. I, you know, that guy just got lucky that that bear didn't rip his head off. Right, you know, right. And, it, and it gets painted that way, and then people think, oh, why on earth would someone kill a grizzly bear? They're so loving. Um, I've been chased by a grizzly bear that was extremely angry with me, and I didn't do anything to provoke that. Um, I'm not, we're not hunting to defend ourselves. I'm not trying to say that, but we do, I think hunters in particular truly understand the ecosystem. We truly understand the outdoors and our family is just trying to portray that where, or be a voice so that when we have a Cecil the lion issue, maybe Fox news or someone would call one of us and say, can we get your point of view on that? Rather than calling someone who doesn't do a very good job of advocating what hunting truly is. Right. Let's just expand on that a little bit because you brought up Cecil the lion. And of course that went viral. Anytime there's a a big game hunter in Africa who takes down an elephant or a lion. uh, And, and there've been a couple of instances where that hunter ended up, you know, dying uh, and people were cheering. I mean, you can argue about whether the person should have been hunting a, a lion or an elephant, but it's a human being. I mean, where, when did we get to the point where we now elevate animals over humans? Yeah, and, and I guess I'm a, I'm a Christian, so that puts me in a realm where 
I understand what the Bible tells me, and the Bible says those animals were here for us to use as, as food. Um, and so I agree with you 100%. A human's life, that's like I said, here we are hunting a white-tailed deer, and someone will shoot us an email that says they're going to do these horrible things to my family, something that I would never even dream of doing to an animal. Um, the whole thing that we do through our camps, we teach kids, we, we go across the country and teach kids to um, handle bows, and we certify them in a bow hunter education format. And in doing that, we teach those kids the most ethical way to kill an animal is as quickly as possible, as humanely as possible. And so it, when someone's cheering for someone to be killed because they're a hunter, where do they fall on that scale of ethics? And, and that's so scary because how far would that person actually go? You know, would they, would they go so far as to hurt someone, hurt another human being that's hurting an animal? Um, you know, and I just, especially when that animal needs to be taken out and that's the other, I mean, you get to that part. Do those people honestly want to see what it looks like to watch a wolf take down, uh, you know, a, a, a calf of a cow moose, you know, and, and how they do it and how long it can possibly take and how gru- grueling and gruesome it can be. Um, as opposed to someone taking an arrow or a bullet and putting it through that animal and it's dead right there and it ends up on a table and it's eaten and every piece of it is used. Um, it's, it's sad. I mean, I do think that that's what you and I are doing is trying to advocate and educate people. And I, and I hope we're going to be able to do that. So the part of Africa, though, that you bring up is that what people don't understand is how hunters have helped that country tremendously, maybe more so than any other um, any other kind of um, outside source coming in, meaning the dollars that go into a, a, a guy pays to shoot a rhino or a giraffe or a or a lion or whatever it may be. And they're doing that because they've already deemed that that animal needs to be taken out for whatever reason, because they don't just let people shoot whatever. And then the guy pays that money and all of the meat typically, as far as I've understood, I have not been to Africa and hunted myself, but I've talked to many PHs from over there and people who've hunted there. All the meat goes to the, to the communities there. And most of the time, the issue that's going on there that if without the dollars from the hunter, then the poacher wins. The poachers are the ones that start, and then the black market is way, way higher dollar amounts than we could ever dream of paying for hunting, and it gets out of control. That's where the rhino and the and the elephant tusks, you know, and the horns are now. They're so high that these people would be willing to risk their lives to kill one of those animals, and they don't care which one they kill. They don't care if it's a mom with a calf or anything like that. They don't care. They're just looking to make money. And hunters just don't do it that way. Talk to me about hunters as conservationists, because that's always been my thinking, that the, yep. some of the greatest conservationists, the people that want to, to manage the land properly so it's there for their children to hunt, are the hunters. Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, you bring up, you know, the, the people that have, uh, there's no one in my book that, and I wasn't alive during his time, but Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, the, the guy, the president there, that put national parks out there and said, hey, we need a place to preserve, preserve. We're going to save these places where nothing can change, and it'll always be here for your kids and the kids after that. And I, and I was huge. And then, he, and then he went one step farther and said, let's have national forest. And I know that Canada has uh, Queensland, I think is what it's referred to, very similar. Land that's put aside that people can still utilize. And hunters have realized this, and the states have done a good job, and, uh, and the countries have done a good job of saying, let's bring back the wild turkey, let's bring back the elk, the white-tailed deer. And in doing so, hunters are instrumental in that because they can not only manage the herds so that it, it can work for all the animals, from the, the gray wolf down to the shrew 
or whatever it may be, but hunters will pay money to do that. And by doing that, they're not only supporting it, but they're also conserving it. And we've seen the, the best results that this world, this, this earth has seen in many, many years on many, many different uh, game animals return to abundant numbers. White-tailed deer and, and turkeys and elk are probably the biggest ones here in the North American area that we can look at and say, man, we have more of them. And we have them because hunters are funding that and hunters are helping manage that. And I think we've done a tremendous job, but boy, the only time that we ever make the news is not when we've done brought elk to another state or something like that. We make it when Cecil the lion gets killed. And that's, that's just not fair. I wish that we had a way to really educate people and show people who we are and what we're doing. Right. This may be a little controversial, but I wonder if, I mean, the criticism towards hunters seems to be limited to, uh, you know, Christians, uh, for example, they don't go after our, our, our indigenous friends who, right. who live off hunting. They'd never say a word about them. Right. And, and I, think, I don't think it's controversial at all. I think what happens is the stigma of trophy hunting is what has, that's the difference, is most of the indigenous, you know, they're still hunting. They're really, the antlers don't matter to them. Um, you know, they're eating everything, even if a hunter is eating it, even if he's not the one eating it, but he's providing it to a shelter or a church or somewhere where it is getting eaten, that's not good enough. Um, that gentleman still paid money to go kill that animal. And, and he did so maybe because his, you know, part of his reasoning behind that was he wanted to see if he could take this type of animal, you know, size-wise being antlers or weight or whatever it may be. I don't have a problem with a guy doing that because no matter what, those animals have to be done. That has to be done. And, and, the, and in most cases, the animal that he's taken is the one you want to take. It's the oldest. It's the one that's been there the longest. It's time for the next generation to come on. And if we can educate people that that's what hunters are truly doing, and I agree with you, I don't know why. I would say I'll go a step farther if we're going to get controversial and say it's not just Christians that they come after. If you take a female and you put her behind a lion with a picture, it's going to go crazy on social media with nothing but bad, bad PR. People are just angry. And I don't know why it is that I don't know if they're, that women are looked at as they're not even hunters or they, you know, they don't, well, well what does a hunter look like? Um, and I go along with what you just said. If you go to the indigenous people, men and women hunt. Maybe the men do more of the hunting, but my point is, is that why is it that they attack the women? The women don't deserve that. Um, and so it's not, I just think if people understood hunting, hunters, and if they would watch one episode of Raised Hunting, I think they'd see that this family represents some pretty good values. I, I, by no means am I sitting here preaching that we are perfect people. We're not. We make a lot of mistakes. And that's typically what we're putting out there on the air when we teach something. But my gosh, we're trying our best to do the best, not only for us, but for the animals and for the ground and the land in which those animals live. And I think that's, in God's eyes, I think we're doing a pretty good job. More of my conversation with Dave Holder, one of the stars of Raised Hunting, when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. But what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. 
And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there, we've seen it, and we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. We all enjoy a little mystery. Every other week, one strange thing presents forgotten stories from America's newspaper archives. They all have something in common, a single element that can't quite be explained. Join us on One Strange Thing, and you'll hear about a man who was literally stricken with genius. A 21st century child who remembered piloting a World War II bomber. A mysterious, unidentifiable blob in Texas. And then there was the lizard man stalking through small-town South Carolina. From cryptids and disappearances to modern-day miracles, One Strange Thing brings you stories that are very real and just a little otherworldly. Subscribe now, wherever you listen. Overwhelmed by investing? If you're anything like us, the hardest part is getting started. That's why we created the Investing for Beginners podcast. Our goal is to help simplify money so it can work for you. We invite guests to demystify investing. At least try to be setting aside like the minimum 10% into the 401k. I'll teach you the basics of the market. Yeah, I think compound interest should be at the start of any discussion about investing. And We've had investment professionals who teach in a simple way. A valuation-driven bear market. You know, we, we haven't really seen yet, and I think everyone's thinking about it, but we haven't really seen yet. Our Q&A episodes feature questions from listeners just like you. So what do you think about the situation with ETBI, which is Activision? I'm Dave Ahern. And I'm Andrew Sather. And we hope you join us on the Investing for Beginners podcast. On the Investing for Beginners podcast. I'm Andrew Gold, a fallen BBC journalist interviewing the heretics and rebels brave enough to speak out against mainstream narratives. Here's Coleman Hughes, John Ronson, and the Trigonometry podcast guys bringing controversy to the fore. How do you feel if a person of a different race moved in next door? I spent a while with a politically correct faction of the Ku Klux Klan. The system punishes people for wrong think. It's heartbreaking. Here's My Unorthodox Life Netflix star Julia Hart on getting out of a Hasidic Jewish cult. Why can't I be okay with being silent and subservient? Everyone else is. And biologist Richard Dawkins on trans activism. It's perfectly legitimate to say, I'm a man, but I feel feminine. But to then say, therefore I am a woman, is just a betrayal of language. Now it's your turn. Rebel against the mainstream and find a home in this sensible alternative space by subscribing to Heretics Podcast. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. 
Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, what, what a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Dave Holder from the Discovery Channel's Raised Hunting is here. Tell me about a recent episode or a favorite episode that involved your, your sons, Easton and Warren and, and Kara and the family hunting and maybe a lesson that was imparted or learned during that particular hunt. Man, <laughs> you're talking six years worth, so that's over 70-some episodes. But, um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll use one that I just because I did it, I worked on it today. Um, or actually two of them, and that is a new episode that's coming out, and it's called Buckets, and it's about people and their bucket lists. And do you have one? And, and what, are, what is a bucket list? Is it something that we do to tally, you know, to say, oh, I went to Hawaii, I went to this state, or I went to this province, and I did this, and I did that? Um, or is it something that says, you know, I'm only going to be here once, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. I want to make sure that I see or do these types of things. And I'm notorious. And again, like I said, we'll learn, me- we'll learn lessons typically from our mistakes. And I'm the one that constantly puts work in front of my bucket list. I, I constantly am thinking, you know, I need to get one more place to go with my family but, uh, or go do one more hunting trip. But it's not one of the bucket list ones. It's just a, another hunting trip. But I, I'm trying to teach people that, man, it's not about what we're putting in the bucket. When you look back at the journey to say, try to kill a trophy deer. Let's just say you want to kill a big deer or you want to go on a trip to Alaska. What I found is that it's not really going to Alaska that was really the cool part of it. It's that I got to go with my two sons, with my wife. I got to be there practicing in the yard with them. That bucket list item gave us a whole lot of time and energy that we spent together working on it. And all of a sudden you realize it's not about what you're putting in the bucket, it's what you're getting out of it as you're trying to fill the bucket. Um, so, so that would be one that I would, and then another one I just worked on today is my wife took her best friend, who's now for almost 40 years old, or a little over 40 years old, never hunted in her life. And we took her on a bear hunt to Saskatchewan, Canada last spring. And she didn't know if she was gonna be able to pull the trigger on her bow with an animal. She had no idea. And we, we named that, that episode The Gift because the gift my wife gave her best friend was the gift of hunting. and if you see this woman, her, her total change from not knowing, not understanding to, I now see what you guys are talking about and what this is about and how much this was, it meant to her that she could do something in the wild, you know, without having to have someone holding her hand, she had to do it all on her own. And at the same time, all of it benefited everyone. The province makes money, the state to make money, the, the animals, there's more bears now because of her dollars. And so it, it all works if we all work together. And the episode turned out absolutely unbelievable when you see this young lady's name is Christy and you see her reaction and, and how it's changed her life. 
Raised hunting Sunday mornings on the Discovery Channel. Just by the by, how do you prepare a bear? Are there certain parts that are better eating than others? My my favorite is I like to take an entire bear and turn it into breakfast sausage. I think it's I I think bear sausage is one of the best there's ever been made. Hmm. A lot of people don't like bear. They think it's a little greasy, and it is. It's a little darker meat and things like that. Each each animal's got a little different, you know. But but the great thing about it is. There's no preservatives in them, you know. There's no, there's no drugs. There's no anything. It's all natural, so um, it, it really doesn't get any better than that. You, you'll, you'll know what you're eating is as clean as it can be. It's not run through anyone else's hands or anything like that. So, but bear sausage, bear as breakfast sausage is phenomenal. So, as far as favorites, that is our favorite. And who taught you how to uh, uh, field dress, let's say, a deer? Uh, that would be my, my, I had an older brother who's now passed away. Um, but my dad was more of a, my dad was kind of a camp cook type guy. You know, he'd go and hang out with everyone and he was always the jokester and things like that. But my, my older brother was eight years older than me and he's the one that really got me involved and said, you know, he's the one that taught me all the, the things. And then I grew up in a, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old now. So I also grew up in a generation where there wasn't internet and things like that. We didn't have an app like we have now. We have an app called Raised Outdoors where someone can go download that exact video that you just mentioned on how we've recorded in beautiful footage and without doing it grotesquely, here's how you field dress an animal. They can even download that to their phone and have it with them all the time so that they don't have to remember how to do it um, because we're trying to enable even the people that are non-hunters with the proper tools and the proper education so they can go out there and they'll experience it for themselves. You mentioned earlier uh, you're, you're Christian. Uh, how difficult is that? I mean, I've, I've operated in certain institutions as a, as a conservative Christian, and I had to keep my head down, and fair right. enough. But on television now, you know, we had Phil Robertson with Duck Dynasty, who got into some hot water, but thank God people rallied to his, his cause. Ben and Aaron Napier on Hometown. How difficult is it in, in TV land to be a, a conservative Christian? Ah, uh, you know, you you'll find that you people ask all the time, do you get treated differently, maybe by sponsors or by networks? And I can tell you that only one time has that ever happened, and that was when we tried to figure out where raised honey needed to be before it ever aired. And we had a, a, a we had and I don't know if people out there are familiar with how this works, but you build a pilot up, well, you build a, a a short trailer first, something three, four minutes long, and they look at it and they say, okay, build us a whole, a whole pilot, a 22-minute series. And in the four-minute piece of the trailer that we submitted, we had a network that told us, said, you know, we love what you guys are doing. This is like completely different. We've never seen videography like this in the outdoor industry. Um, what you guys have done is magnificent. However, you got a little too much Christian overtones. So we might have to work on that. And I said, you got what? I don't even, because we, we did not set out to do that. Here's the one thing about me as a Christian. Yes, I'll tell you I am, or if someone asks me, but I'm not trying to force it on anyone, and I, and I don't need to. You'll, you'll recognize who I am and what I stand for fairly quickly. And so anyhow, in the long story short, is I didn't have anything in there that I felt like, hey, we need to put this in there because that will show we're a Christian. My wife reads the Bible every night. So we had a piece in there where she flips through the Bible. We had a piece in there, I wear a cross around my neck. We had another one in there, um, I have a photo or a painting in my living room of a man kneeling next to a white-tailed deer. 
Um, and so anyhow, long story short, they felt like these were all there and I had to come back and say, you know, I didn't put any of those in there on purpose. And, and if you're telling me I'm going to have to take those out to air on your network, then you're asking me to be someone I'm not. So we just decided we would move on. Um, and that's been the only real issue. Now, can I tell you that people have shied away from us because of our Christian values? I don't know. Maybe so. But, they, but they're never going to look me in the eye and tell me that. And again, uh, Raised Hunting, Discovery Channel, Sunday mornings. You're on Facebook as well. Yes, sir. How else can uh, we find you? Where else? Uh, any, uh, online? Any, yeah, if you just go to www.raisedhunting.com, you'll find all of our social media channels. Um, we just launched our first book, called, and it and happens to be titled Raised Hunting, um, Tales of the Faith and Family in the Field. And so anyhow, that just came out available on Amazon as of Tuesday, last week, so one week. Um, and But anyhow, www.raisedhunting.com, you'll find all the social media channels. Raised Outdoor app on anyone's phone will take you to... Um, all the episodes after each one airs, also the new year, meaning this year we've only aired one episode so far, it gets loaded onto Raised Outdoors app the next day. Um, Amazon Prime, Roku, uh, I, uh, we're even in Canada on Wild TV. So uh, there's not many places you can go that you can't find us. Excellent. Um, and you're gearing up way. for season seven? We're already planning our hunting trips. <laughs> so. Terrific. Well, people can follow the exploits of Karen, David, Easton, and Warren Holder. Again, raised hunting Sunday mornings on the Discovery Channel. Uh, David, keep doing what you're doing. God bless, and thank you so much for this. Thank you, Richard. I sure appreciate you, buddy. All right. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a few words on the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, this is Tony Merkel, host of The Confessionals, a blog talk radio podcast that brings you weekly interviews with eyewitness accounts of strange and unexplained events. From paranormal activity to UFO encounters to Bigfoot sightings, step into The Confessionals as we explore mysterious real-life stories. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or theconfessionalspodcast.com. Many thanks to Conspiracy Unlimited for having me on the air. I'll see you all on The Confessionals. Coming up Wednesday, a real-life Jewish Indiana Jones discusses his search for the Ark of the Covenant. The power of the Ark is such that, you know, it sort of knows, it's aware of its surroundings and who has permission to be there and who doesn't. And it's lethal and it's like a reactor. So, yeah, don't try this at home type of thing. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 